You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity. With your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. I call in the ancestors to be with us here today. I call in those who are good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to gather around us, to bring in the legacy of those who have gone before us, that we might learn from the mistakes of the past and do something different here in the future that might bring health and well-being and beauty to all living things. I call out to those very beginning ancestors of this world that we know and form, Grandfather Fire, Grandmother Water. I call out to the energy of earth as an element and the air. I call out to these four ancestors to be with us here today to help us to understand why would we work with these elements as part of our spiritual practice. So I call out to the ancestors all the way back, the ancestors outside of human form, back all the way to the very beginning. I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to help us as humans to understand We call out to the earth as a planet, as a being here moving through the universe. We call out to this being and ask her to guide us here today to understand how to be here in form, in human form, in a good way on this planet that contains life in so many, many different forms we do not yet fully understand and yet destroy before they've even come into our awareness. So we call out to the earth to help us to understand how to walk softly here, how to walk with power and grace and beauty on this earth, to live here in a good way with a feeling of grounding, connection, and belonging. And from that place of home, sense of power, a sense of connection to our ancestors and all that has gone before us, we reach up into the sky energies and we reach all the way up through the sky, through the atmosphere, through the cosmos, all the way out to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call that power, call it down. Call it into our circle here today to bring us blessing, to bring us protection, to bring us guidance, to bring us the generosity and the benevolence of this universe that we live in, to bring this energy round us so that we are held well and things can proceed here today and any day that this show is listened to through the downloads in a good way. So we call out to the energy of the sky above and the earth below. We call these energies into ourselves and into our circle. And in that beautiful alchemical dance between heaven and earth, life as we know it exists, and we call out to that power and magic and miracle of life to be with us here today. We call up the energies of our belly and down the energies of our mind into our heart, and we call out the energy of the heart to be with us here today. To blend and merge and rectify our energies within us that we might know today why we are here and use all that we discuss here today to help us to walk the path of bringing our unique soul's purpose into manifestation in this life and to do it now while we are able to enjoy the fruits of those labors. So welcome everyone today to today's show. Uh, The topic today is why we work with the elements. 
One of the things you may have noticed as you've looked at different indigenous practices is that they all involve the elements. Some are three-element systems, some are four-element systems, and some are five-element systems. And shamanically speaking, shamanic cultures are pretty much divided about 50-50 between five-element and four-element systems. And so as I talk about the elements here today, I'll speak from my own experience, which is a four-element system. But I want everyone to understand that I'm simply speaking of elemental systems. I can only speak with any sense or reason or clarity from what I work with, but understand that an elemental system is an elemental system, whether it's three or four or five elements. The systems all work. There is no right. There is no wrong. All we want is function. We want these elemental systems to function for us. So understand that, though, I'll often refer to the four elements in my show here today. I mean to be inclusive of the three element systems that work in shamanic cultures around the world and the five element systems that work in shamanic cultures and other cultures simply around the world, all over Asia and Africa. So in the beginning, in a time before time, before there was any sense of time or space as we might understand it, in the beginning before there was anything that we could possibly understand, there was nothing. And there was a nothing that wasn't defined by everything. It was a nothing that defined itself. And in the va- that vast nothingness, for reasons we may never understand, and if we could, we probably, if we knew them, we probably couldn't fathom them. For some reason, this great, vast nothingness dreamt. And out of that dream came the first spark of fire. Grandfather Fire was born. And it is the nature of this dreaming that with that spark of fire came a crystal of ice, Grandmother Water. Because out there in the vast nothingness, of course, water exists as ice. And so water and fire were born together of the dream. The very first elements, the very first ancestors brought into form out of the great mystery, the great void, the great unknown, the great nothingness. And so out of this dream was born life, the beginning of life as we understand it, fire and water. And fire and water being born of the dream are dreamers. And fire and water dreamt, and from their dreaming comes the other elements. From their dreaming comes elemental earth and air. And these energies in their elemental forms dreamt. And as they dreamt, we got universes. As universes dreamt, we got galaxies. Because you must remember, everything born of the dream is a dreamer. And from the universes, we get stars. And from stars, of course, we have what we would call suns, who dream of planets. And planets dream. And the dreaming of our planet brought a dance of these elements, fire and water and earth and air, dancing in their elemental molecular molecular forms, dancing and creating life ultimately so that we might be here today, that our ancestors might have been here in the past. And as they are born of the dreaming, they dreamt so that we could be here today. And as we are here today with all of the elements and all the many manifestations of all of the dreaming, we are dreaming as well. And what we must understand is that our dreams 
shape reality, as do the dreams of fire and water and trees and birds. But because of the nature of humans, we are capable of dreaming against our nature. Unlike all the other manifest forms that are born of the dream and are dreaming reality into existence, we have this incredible capacity as humans to dream contrary, contrary to our nature. And while sometimes that contrary nature can create great innovation, often it creates the qualities of death and destruction and distraction and creates a great big mess. And out of these nightmare dreamings have come stories, stories that our ancestors floundered in, stories our ancestors never found a way out of. And so the reason that we work with the elements is as an effort to reach out of the morass of these floundering stories, to get back to these essential elements so that we can be reminded of what it feels like to be with an energy that is true to its nature, that we might be reminded to be true to our own nature, And from that place, that moment of truth within ourselves, to dream powerfully. And in that, as spiritual adults then, to clean up our dreaming so that we are adding to the collective dream that is being dreamt by all things, all life, even life, even things we don't actually subscribe life to, our dreaming, fire, water, earth, air. As all of these things are dreaming, we need to understand our unique responsibility as human beings to clean up our dreaming so that our dreams are good for all living things and do not create a nightmare of chaos and destruction that is not the co-creative chaos of the natural cycles of life where all things are surrendered to their nature and doing what it is that they do. But this craziness that we're able to create as humans. It's a unique gift. It allows us to make art, to make dance, to make music, to make brilliance, genius, incredible beauty. One of the themes in science fiction is that races of beings far more advanced than we are honor us for what we create in our art. Not our technology, not any of these other things we think we're so special about but our incredible capacity as human beings to create, to make beauty. And it's from our dreaming that this beauty emerges. And so we work with the elements to grow up here and clean up our dreaming, that we might dream beauty. And so this is what we're here to talk about today, is the elements. They are our first and most ancient ancestors. And the energy of the elements is simple and non-human. And why does that matter? Because it helps us to get out of the complex, complicated, twisted energy that humanity manifests so easily. So as we continue today, this is what we shall discuss. Why we would bother to work with the elements and how to do that. I hope you all join me after the break for more discussion of why we work with the elements. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we are talking about working with the elements, and I am speaking specifically about working with earth, air, fire, and water. 
there are three main things that we gain in working with the elements um, or words that I'm going to be using as we talk about this today. That the elements can be considered true energy. They present a kind of truth in our world. And so what we get from working with the elements then is that reflection, a clearer mirror of a true energy to help us to find the true energies within ourselves. You know, what is authentic to you? What is learned? What is a story? What is what, is what you've been, become afraid of being? But to help to see a glimmer of your true energies. The elemental energies are also essence energies, and they... Um, through right relationship with these essence energies, we gain gifts. And the elements themselves offer gifts if we can surrender to right relationship with them. And in case I don't come back around to this point in the show, let me point out that the main key to coming into right relationship with non-human things is to not demand that they be human to communicate with you or to connect with you. So if you want to communicate with water, become watery yourself. So let's see, where do we go to? So then the last of the three things I wanted to talk about was just the the power there is in being with something that is 100% surrendered to its own true nature. It helps us to um, feel, again, that clear reflection of something that is in its true nature so that we can begin to find our own. One of the things, one of the beginnings of my inkling of my understanding about working with the elements um, came um, at, comes at the end of fire rituals. I do a lot of fire ritual um, transformational work with my people in my workshops. And at the end, when we're giving gratitude to the fire for all this energy that it has transformed for us, and these are energies in our life, psychological, emotional, physical, spiritual, patterns of energy that, we, that have just kicked our butts. You know, we just have not been able to transform them. So in these fire rituals, we are asking spirit to enter into the ritual to help us to transform these energies that no longer serve us. And so we're at the end of these rituals. The energies are released. There's freedom. There's openness. There's these, this new possibility. And the question at that moment is always, in my mind, it's always, what are these people going to do now? Are they going to be able to step into a new possibility? Or are they going to go right back into the old patterns? That's always a question I have at that moment as I go up to the fire and I give the fire gratitude for all that is done for us in that fire ritual, for transforming these energies, giving us this freedom. And I want, in my heart, I want these people to use the freedom the fire has given them and to use it well. And I'm always reminded by the fire in that moment to look into the heart of that fire, some, an energy that is so truly and completely and only itself, it's not many different things. It's one thing. It's utterly and completely fire. It's totally surrendered to its true nature. And in that moment, I always remind people, because the fire is reminding me to look into that fire and see the power, of tra- the transformational power of something surrendered to its true nature. It's taken this energy that we have been struggling with for years, and in minutes it is gone. It is literally and completely, truly in the physical world, transformed into ash. That's enormous power, and we have that same kind of power if we can surrender to our true nature. 
So this is what I'm talking about, about the value of working with the elements. And one of the problems with training these days is, of course, working with the elements is one of those things the answer you're going to get from your teachers mostly is, well, that's how we do it. And as I have said many times before on my show, that is not good enough. That is not a good enough answer. That we need to understand the energetic mechanism of why we're doing what we're doing. I'm not saying we need to talk it through intellectually and have some academic understanding. We need to get in our gut what we are doing when we're doing it. We need to understand the function. And so this is what I'm going to attempt to continue to talk about here today. So what I wanted to share here, just a little disclaimer before we go any further, I frankly find normal academic terms like animism and ancestor worship or elemental worship or these things really annoying. They're always offered with a somewhat derogatory tone. There are very few people I've ever heard say these words without being a little bit on their high horse because we as contemporary people have these beautiful religions. And they're so much better than all of these other things. And I frankly don't think that that's true. And I feel like, so first, I don't like the derogatory tone in these terms, these academic terms. And so that's the first thing that annoys me. But the second thing that I think is more annoying is that they're very misleading. Ancestor worship. It's very misleading for people, contemporary people, who go off to a church or a temple or a mosque to worship. When you say ancestor worship. It it equates to what people are doing, and it doesn't equate at all. That what what these practices are about, whether it's the ancestors or the elements or nature or the mountain that you live with or the ocean or whatever, it's about maintaining a relationship with an energy that can help you in your life. And, of course, at its best, that is the value of religion, is in theory it should be helping you to maintain a relationship with whatever energies that religion focuses on, so that that energy can help you in your life. But that's the point, is it's not about this thing where you go go through the motions and somehow that's going to help you. That these practices of working with the elements or the ancestors or whatever are about literally being willing to surrender yourself and enter into an energetic relationship with these energies so they can help you. And you have to actually participate not enough to go through the motions. You have to be real, because one of the things about shamanism that I absolutely love and adore is it's got this monstrously huge bullshit meter, and going through the motions doesn't do it. And that's the beauty of shamanism, is you know it. It just doesn't work. And so while there is a great deal of repetition in ceremony, and ceremony does work, to do that in a way that is empty or vacuous or without any understanding or focused intention is it doesn't work. That's the beauty of shamanism is you, you've got to do it for real. So, so elements. Okay. So we have been exploring in my student community why we work with the elements. Why do all of these shamanic cultures have this in their sort of medicine wheel cosmology of their lives. What is the value of working with the elements, and what does it mean to truly work with the elements? And so one of the things this community of people has done, and this is a group of people, right now we're at about 75, we're about to bump up to almost 90 people as the new group comes in this year. But what we've been exploring in the community, in the ongoing community around these teachings, is the elements, and what is the value of bringing these elemental energies literally into the community. And so... What we did is 
we were guided by spirit to do what, frankly, shamanic people have done all over the globe forever, but it's been lost largely in contemporary practices, is to designate shrine tenders, to designate a shrine, a literal, physical shrine to each of the elements, and a person to tend that shrine on behalf of the community. And so the shrine then becomes a conduit or an opening into the community. And understand this, my community is non-local. We are not in a little village somewhere. We do not all live in Portland, Oregon. We are all over the United States plus. We've got people, you know, small numbers of people in various other countries. And so the community is non-local. And this is a very interesting new thing. But basically, we're working with the elements for this community. And so these shrine tenders' job then is to enter into an everyday working relationship of cultivating right relationship with the elements so they can come through these enormous conduits of these shrines and come pouring into the fabric of the community and these elemental energies can be then available to us to do the transformational growth um, organizational work that we need to do to function as a happy, healthy, engaged community. So what the what the elements then help us to do first is as i've just said they become this, these direct conduits that allow spirit to come in and infuse the space and so these energies are pure energies the elemental energies are pure energies but they're varied you know instead of always just working with light right that we get these other pure energies that have a variety of qualities that help us then as humans explore our own variety and diversity as humans. These elemental energies in their presence help us because pure elemental true energies are so simple. There is a beauty of getting into them like getting into a bath. It's like, oh, it's such a relief. Everything's simplified. And so these elemental energies, if we can bask in the earth or the air or the fire or the water, we can disengage from the crazy complexity of our stories. And so the elements help us to disengage from our stories. They also help us then to engage or to re-engage with what's really going on. What is operating below the story? What's truly motivating what we're watching on the surface? And so the elemental, to being, being in relationship with the elemental energies helps us to connect with the flow of the real energies and to focus on these energies and, and, um, and thus not be uh, succumbing to that tendency to get distracted into the chaotic craziness of everyday life. And so what we're looking at then is the value of a complete system of elements and how the complete system of elements then helps us not only to connect with real energies, but to create a kind of balance and flow with life. So we'll continue with this when we return from this break. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. And today we are talking about working with the elements. And as we were going into that last break, I was talking about complete systems. In other words, you know, someone could say, well, why don't I just work with one element? And... Working with one element at a time isn't such a bad thing, but working with one element, you're more than likely to choose the element. Actually, that's already your elemental home. In other words, it's already sort of your nature. 
And so you'll have a tendency then to, it's kind of like when people get dogs that look like they do. I mean, we have a tendency to gravitate towards what is familiar to us. And so you may pick earth, for example, and then work with earth and then become ever more mired in the, ec- in the potential excess of that energy. Because the beauty of the elemental system, very much like Chinese medicine, is that there is an understanding in the systems of the elements that any element it can be in excess is too much of a good thing, and that any element in scarcity is, of course, starving for a good thing. And so what's important about these elemental energies is together as a system, whether it's three-element system, four- or five-element system, they balance out each other. And so to be bringing all the elements of your system into your life they can help you then to create a balance and flow of life that allows you then to recognize excesses or scarcities and to find the energy necessary to balance it. Because it's important to understand, especially for those of you that never engaged in traditional Chinese medicine, is that let's say that you have an excess of an energy. Is that because you've got too much of that energy or you actually have too much of what ener- whatever energies nourish that energy, so it's creating more of that. Um, or do you have nothing, a total scarcity of an energy that would balance or temper that energy? And so there's a lot of dynamic when you get an energetic system, like a four-element or five-element system going in your world, and this helps you then to work uh, yourself on your own places of excess or scarcity. The other thing we can do is we can go directly to an element for something that we are missing in our life. For example, often when I am in situations where there are relationships in my life that need to find reconciliation, there needs to be some coming to a place of peace and release in that energy, um, I'll spend a lot of time at my water shrine making offerings to the water and speaking to the water and asking for the water's help to guide me in what needs to happen to create reconciliation. Um, Another place that I've gone, there was a time in my life where no matter where I was, I didn't belong. It was very painful for me. And um, it was through working with the earth, and actually through the earth working with my ancestors, but primarily working with the earth and my ancestors, that gave me a sense of belonging that went with me. So now, no matter where I am, I have a sense of belonging I can decide whether I'm going to choose to fit in or not, but I still have a sense of belonging. So these are just examples from my own life of understanding, you know, through my understanding of what qualities the elements translate into in terms of being human qualities, what, how do the elemental qualities translate into human qualities. To understanding that then allows me to go to the element when I need more of that human quality in my life. What's... Um, one of the things to understand then about um, working with these elements is that they are true nourishment for our spirit. I mean, I know that you feel this intuitively, whether you've ever thought about it before or not, but the way most of us live our typical American life is very challenging for our soul, very challenging for our spirit, and it gets um, exhausted or starved. And one of the, the things that I sense when I begin to focus back in on the elements is that there's an aspect of my soul energy that just goes, oh, that these true elemental energies, this is also true actually working with essence energies, but same idea, 
working with these elemental energies um, is true nourishment for your soul. And um, these elemental systems are found in shamanic cultures all around the globe. And when we open up, as these shamanic cultures knew how to do, when we open up to relationship with the elements as a system, um, it nourishes our spirit, and then spirit grows stronger within us without even changing our day. You know, so we have this day that's hard on our soul, right? And we bring into that day working with the elements. That can still strengthen and nourish the soul in your day, even if you haven't changed the way you live your day out in the world. And one of the most beautiful things... Um, I ever saw, actually, with um, bringing indigenous shamans here into the United States, is they would say things like, how beautiful that you value nature so much, you take the time to plant it in the middle of your freeways. How beautiful that you have water, running water in so many rooms in your house, that you bring it into your house. And this one shaman was just ecstatic because... They could take a shower every day and just do this whole process of praying to the energy of the water. On a daily basis, it seemed like such an enormous luxury. And their perspective was that we must have such a strong relationship with the elements if we were to bring them into our homes in the way that we do. I thought that was such a beautiful misunderstanding of us. <laughs> but it also made me realize that I could turn that around and really connect with the earth and the air and the fire and the water that was in my home. And, that, and that's a good thing in Portland because it rains a lot here and sometimes you don't want to go outside. Um, but there's always a way then to connect and to be with the elements. And then that relationship with the elements that nourishes the spirit makes the voice of your spirit grow stronger. And so you can begin to hear that voice in that cacophony of a noisy contemporary American life. And you, can, you begin to hear that voice in the midst of everything. You may not have changed everything. All you've changed is this one choice to work with the elements to nourish your spirit. Now, for that to happen, we need to ask for help from spirit usually, and we must be willing to surrender to the help that the elements give. And, and where I see most people block that step is un consciously, they want the earth or the air or the fire or the water to stand up and act like a human and so that it won't be so foreign and so scary. And what we need to do is to switch that thinking and that expectation and to remember that we go to the elements precisely for their non-human quality, for the fact that they are pure, that they are not complex, they are simple, they are essential, they are utterly and completely surrendered to their true nature. And that feels very foreign to us often. And so we go to them for those energies. And so we need to surrender our complex humanness, um, the, that expectation that the spirits are all going to show up to us as gods and goddesses. We need to drop that and let the elementals present themselves as they are. Um, and and to love them and respect them for that true nature, because that is one of the main reasons to go to them is to experience that. So, in other words, we need to be able to surrender to their nature and to allow them to help us by being who they are and letting that inspire us to be who we are, to help us, to heal us, 
to bring us out of scarcity and out of excess and ultimately help us to be who we are. And in doing that, by just working with the elements and coming into right relationship with these elemental energies, one of the things that happens unconsciously is you start down shifting out of your story, out of all these things you believe about your human life. And if I connect that back to the opening of this show, you start to downshift out of all that nightmare dreaming you're doing and begin to fall back into a natural right relationship with yourself. And in doing that, you can fall into more of a right relationship with others. And from that, a more of a right relationship with the environment and ultimately more of a right relationship with the spirit world. And this all can come layer after layer after layer simply by surrendering to the elements and making this one choice to begin to work with them each day. And in the beginning of my practice and for many years into my practice, I had one altar that had all four elements on it. Now, at this time in my life, because because of what my life has grown into and that I have a student community and a client population, a lot of other people that are somewhat supported by my own relationship with spirit, I have altars to all four elements, so they all have their own place. But in the beginning, it doesn't have to be complicated. My travel altar fits in a little tiny cosmetic bag, and it has a little tiny piece of each of the four elements in it, and I take that with me wherever I go. So... Again, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's a simple choice to choose to begin to honor each of the four elements, or five or three, whatever your system is, and begin to work with these elements. And in doing so, coming into right relationship with yourself, and then through that with others, and then through that with your environment, and then through that with the spirit world. And before you know it, everything's working. And so there are very special gifts that the elemental energies offer us. There are elemental qualities. So, for example, you can call in the energy of the fire. And through that energy of the fire, there are certain elemental qualities of transformation, of warmth. Um, In many cultures, they're believed to be a conduit to the fire, essentially the fire of life, that spark of life that is in all people, past and present, so they're a conduit. The fire becomes a conduit then. Um, connecting all the sparks of life and all the people to your ancestors and then forward to your descendants. Um, The fire is the place that we gather. So there are all these energies that are about this elemental energy of the fire. The most important gift it offers us in ritual, of course, is instantaneous or almost instantaneous transformation. But that ultimately, if we, we call all the elements of the fire together, The fire gives us the gift of courage. And with the water, similarly, the water has many elemental qualities. The biggest, of course, is to get us to flow and to get us to understand how to get over the tight places and the rough places and the hard places and to simply to flow and to flow downhill, essentially, to flow towards the source. And if you draw all these elemental energies of the water together, and there are many, but if you draw them all together, the gift that water gives us as humans is the ability to change as is needed without losing your true self. Many of us are good at changing, but we sacrifice ourselves along the way. 
And so the gift of the water as an elemental energy is that capacity to flow and change however is needed without losing your true self so that you're always tapping back to the source. Now, earth, similar. Earth has many qualities, home, groundedness, belonging, all these energies that are very earth-like and beautiful, stability. But when you wrap all of these elements together, the gift that comes to us through the earth element is presence. And without that ability to show up and to be present, to take a stand, to live for what you believe in, all else is lost. That that energy of presence allows you just enough warriorship to engage everything else that needs to happen in your life. It's critical. And then finally with air. And there are many beautiful elemental qualities of air Inspiration and innovation, illumination, creativity, vision, dreaming, all these great air energies. Um, Not grounding, which is why air needs to be present with earth and earth with air. But that ultimately, when you take all these elemental energies of the air together, one of the great gifts of air is breath. How many times is everything that's going on made better if you simply remember to breathe? But more importantly, breath itself is a reminder, moment-to-moment reminder, that it is always possible to release that which is not serving you. And it is always possible in each moment to begin anew. That we are never stuck with what we have, And we are never without the freedom to begin again, to start anew. And so that gift of breath and that reminder of breathing in and breathing out, that in every moment we are releasing what no longer serves us and drawing in what will serve us, and that in that is that opportunity always to begin again, which is basically the message of Easter, that possibility to begin anew. And so these are some of the elemental energies, uh, gifts of the elemental energies that uh, they offer us. And what I'd like to do is, as we come into the next, um, after the next break, then, is just to talk about um, how we give gratitude to these elemental energies that... um, they, one of the ways that we communicate with spirit, with things in invisible form, is that we make offerings. That we can make offerings of song, we can make offerings of dance, we can make offerings of prayer, but that we make offerings. And it is through these offerings that we begin to feed and nourish our relationship with the elements. And the different elements um, have often traditionally in different cultures asked for different offerings. And But one of the things that I see is consistent across the elements and across elemental systems is that the elements... um, are almost always nourished by song. 
by song, by blessings, and by prayer. And so you can never go wrong offering the different elemental energies a song. Um, so what I would like to do now as we is to kind of wrap up this conversation here about the elements and how we make offerings to the elements and how we open up our relationship with the elements with the understanding that it is because they are elements that we work with them, because they are simple, pure, and true, that they simplify our lives and simplify the energy. And in doing that, they allow us to find in the reflection of these elements. In relationship with them, we get reflection. And in that reflection, they allow us to find our own true nature in its simplicity, in its truth, in its purity, in its essence. And so that is the primary reason that we engage with elemental energy. They are our oldest ancestors. Before there were people, before there were planets, before there was even a universe for the planets to spin through, there were elemental energy. And so we go to them because they are at the beginning when it was simple, when the dreaming was pure, when there were no nightmares. And we ask these elements to help each one of us to return to that place and time. So I encourage you all to make that simple choice, to begin to work with the elements in whatever way is traditional for your ancestors, a three-element system or a four-element system or a five-element system, and to bring that simplicity and essence energy into your life to support you in surrendering to your own true nature. So I'd like to give thanks here today to the energy of the earth and the air and the fire and the water, to these elemental energies for being our ancestors and being dreaming the dream that ultimately brought us here to this planet. And I give thanks to our own human ancestors for their part in that dreaming, for being with us, standing with us that we might learn from their mistakes and draw on their legacy. I give thanks to the energy of the earth below and the sky above and the heart between that unites us all. And may we use that heart and truly be strong um, people in the world. Okay, so today we've explored how we can work with the elements to reach out of our contrary dreaming, uh, to remember how to be true to our own nature. So my sense is that our sense of ourselves and our sense of what we can be through our shamanic practice is still trapped in this contrary dreaming, this, this dreaming that we're doing, dreaming reality in a way that is contrary to our true nature, that I see in humans uh, great capacity. And I really believe deeply in the capacity in humans, and yet... Um, I think we lack education around how to access it. We lack courage, I think, to access it. And we lack the belief system or the structure that would support us in the, in the constant access of it. So the point is, if we are to become the new people who can actually create a new story for a new world, while there's still a world to create one for, then we must step up in our shamanic practice and our shamanic lives. And because I think the people that have access to shamanic skills have a particular capacity here to work with the earth and work with the dreaming simultaneously and um, do really good work for all of life on the planet. And if we don't, 
if we continue just to do our extractions and our soul retrievals and continue just to train to be shamanic healers, I think we miss the point of why we've been called to this work at this time. So if we are going to actually be these new people and step up our shamanic practice, we must, in essence, ground more deeply so that we can leap higher. You know, anyone who has done sports or dance understands this, that you don't get higher by being high. And I mean that uh, in both ways, pun intended. That you, you get higher by diving more deeply in, grounding more deeply, uh, and essentially moving down so that you can spring up. And so if we are going to leap forward as these people, we need a greater relationship with our groundedness, with our embodiment, and primarily in our relationship with the earth. And this is why I've dedicated the last three weeks, not only to the wonderful new show with Anna, but replaying some older shows um, to remind us about why our shamanic work needs to be connected into the earth, the spirits of the land, the ele- and the elemental energies. So the thing is here... For us to to step up our shamanic practice, we must go more deeply so that we can leap higher. And what we are doing now is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with what we're doing now, but it's nascent. It's just the beginning of what we could be. So So to go beyond this beginning, we must move deeply as our ancestors did into relationship with earth on which we live. And by that, I don't mean living as our ancestors did. I mean using the skills that our ancestors used to understand how to move deeply into the earth that we inhabit today, as they understood how to live on the earth they inhabited at their time. Because shamanic practices don't come from people. They came from the earth and the people living in right relationship with the earth. And so people, because of the show, granted, people email me and ask me questions all the time. And there's a level of question where I, ha- where I want to say back, you know, why do you feel so lost and so needing of guidance in your shamanic practice and your shamanic life? It's because as contemporary people, we lack a depth of relationship with the spirits of the land in the environments in which we live and the elemental energies around us, that we lack that fundamental guiding relationship that has always guided shamanic people, which is this relationship with the earth as a being, with the spirits of the land and with the elemental energies. You know, the first shamans learned how to use plants from the plants. They didn't learn from other shamans because there weren't other shamans. And this is the thing that we need to remember as people who go so quickly to the internet, to books, um, off to workshops and retreats, that ultimately you cultivating your own trust with your own helping spirits is the most important thing for you to then dive into and create embodied shamanism where you have a relationship with your body, with your earth, with your home, and with the land. So I'm not saying that we need to disconnect from humans and reinvent every wheel and that everybody should go off and practice their shamanism all by themselves. That's not my point at all. I am saying that a practice that is purely guided by humans will be shallow. 
and you will remain yourself uncertain. So the first shamans, I mean capital F first and capital S shaman, the first shamans, the first of legend, right, who were usually at least half gods, right, taught the humans. And so did the first shamans teach the humans how to do soul retrievals and extraction work? No. The first shamans taught us how to live with each other and how to live with the earth. The first shaman, I mean Again, the first shaman, right, taught us about right relationship within ourselves, about balance within ourselves and with each other. The first shaman taught us about a willingness to learn and transform and in that um, be in right relationship with the other living things around us, human and non-human. And the first shamans taught us about right relationship with the earth earth and with nature and from that a willingness as humans to be guided by something larger than your own personal desires and this is where we are again i believe we are at a beginning that we need to become new people who can write a new story it is clear all over the world that we have lost the knowing of how to live with each other and how to live well on the earth And so we need to use the same skills our ancestors did and re-educate ourselves to truly become these new people who can write a new story. So if we remain these old people and get all excited about the story between and writing a new story, but we do not change fundamentally who we are, we will write a new version of the old story. And we've watched this historically again and again. Witness the movies. I love movies myself. I got no criticism of movies, but Ask yourself, when was the last time you saw a truly original story with a truly original ending? So if we are to become new people who can write a new story, then we must learn again and anew how to live with each other as the earth is asking us to do now. So if we are to write a new story, we must learn again and anew how to live with the earth and what the earth is becoming. As Anna said, one, two, three, four weeks ago, the earth is changing, largely because of our unconscious influence. Nonetheless, it is changing. And it is changing to adapt and restore its own balance. So we need to learn to find our own balance. That we are no, and there are no better teachers for balance than the elements who are constantly changing and moving in and out of balance. They constantly move in relationship with each other. We call it weather. And when we disturb that ability to move in balance physically or energetically, the elements move into excess and they make an enormous, sometimes lethal mess and they restore balance. So by working with the elements, and I mean working in ceremony, in ritual, through the shrines, all the things mentioned today, um, even when those actions are mundane and everyday actions, like showering and yet infusing your shower with sacred intent to be in a water ritual, in relationship with the water. So by working with the elements, and by this I mean this this kind of intentional um, Um, work in ordinary reality and in non-ordinary reality like in your journey work we can learn to be in balance and I think the most important 
uh, teaching that I've received from the elements is ultimately as improbable as it seems that I've learned to be in right relationship with myself and other humans from these non-human teachers because they are um, profound in their teachings about the effects of excess and deficiency. And so I find them to be direct teachers and in many ways better than my human teachers. Not that my human teachers are not wonderful, but in terms of understanding how to be a human and to manage the excess and deficiency and balance my life, the elements have been my foremost teachers. And they teach more directly because they stay out of the psychological interpretation of it. They stay out of the story of it. They stay out of the drama. They are about direct, immediate embodiment and relationship. So I elected to rerun these shows after Anna's wonderful show with the Earth, about the Earth and Earth tenders, to encourage everyone to work with the elements and to learn to restore balance in your life, to work with the spirits of the land on which you live and restore balance in your relationships with your place and your home. And so, for example, in urban environments, I mean, I began my own shamanic practice in Manhattan, and that's about as urban as it comes, right? And the important thing is there are still spirits of that place. Now, in an urban environment, well, anywhere, you need to work with spirits of the place selectively. But more importantly is under every place is the land. And there are spirits of the land. And wherever humans are on the land these days, at least in the United States, balance needs to be restored. And the elements are everywhere. It doesn't matter whether you're urban or not. The elements are everywhere and you can come into right relationship with the elements. All of these energies are present. And you have an opportunity then to connect with them, no matter the physical human environment that you live in. And one of the things I would say about those of you who do live out in the world, out, out in the nature, out in the country, or um, just outside of an urban environment, is one of the things that I've noticed most strongly about that is the degree to which the relationship with nature and the earth is taken for granted by people who live out in nature. Do you actually put the bowl of milk and honey out at night? Have you actually asked what the spirits of the land want from you? Or are you just assuming because you're no longer an urban dweller that you're in good relationship with the land? And this is what I mean. We need to ask the questions, each one of us for ourselves, on the land that we live. It's important that we work with the earth as a being and learn to embody our shamanic practice. Now that's being that term is being thrown around a lot these days and I mean that in two ways that first we need to bring our shamanic practice into our physical body to practice as someone who is grounded who is present in everyday life and who is using the information coming through from spirit in in your shamanic practice to inform how you live your life and that is affecting the actions um your relationships, what you choose to do, how you choose to do it, all of these things that, that we, we embody our shamanic life, we practice as a grounded person, we don't simply live in altered states, but we bring the work here and we bring it to bear in our life 
on our bodies in the earth. The other aspect, though, of embodying our practice is to bring our shamanic practice into a cosmology. And this is something I talk a lot on the show, and it's one of those how you how you find a cosmology or create a cosmology is a challenge, and it's something very challenging because it's a complex issue to just talk about on a podcast. But it is important after you actually realize that you're kind of all in and you actually are going to become a person who lives in shamanic ways and practices your shamanic skills to find or create a true cosmology that talks about where you've been, uh, where you came from, where the world came from, why we're all here, and that larger spiritual teachings that hold the actual practice and keep it in context. Otherwise, it becomes simply an expression of your false self. And so I really encourage people to drag your shamanic practice out of the ethers and into life. So let's say the answer you get in your journey for what you need to do to start this to restore balance in your life is to build a better foundation. So in the journey, you build a better foundation with the help of your helping spirits. Great. Now, what does build a foundation, better foundation look like in your life? Uh, to neglect to ask that question is what I call magical shamanism. Yes, what we do in non-ordinary reality influences ordinary reality. But you asked a question about your physically manifest life, balance in your physically manifest life. So you need to physically manifest that answer. So foundation in the spirit world um, opens the way for you to create foundation in the physical world temporarily. And that's why I call it magical shamanism. Thinking that foundation you built once in a journey is going to satisfy your need for a better foundation in life is magical thinking. So the foundation in the spirit world also cues you. So what did you do in the journey? Did you use cement? Did you use wood? How did you do it? All these different things in the journey can then be interpreted. What does that mean in my everyday life? How does that translate in the physical world? So you embody your shamanic work in your actions, in your everyday life, even soul parts, which are the essence of taking action in the spirit world to create a change here in the physical world, need to be integrated in your everyday life. So let's ask ourselves, how would it transform your shamanic practice to think about what you do to restore balance and what you need to do to make beauty in each day so that the physical world out there is freed to reflect beauty and balance back to you. So I want to give thanks to the ancestral energies around us, the energy of the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites it all. And I want to um, share with you that the year of ceremony, our live there's some questions so our live monthly ceremonies but they are recorded and so you are welcome to still join in to the year of ceremony you can go to the homepage of my lastmasscenter.org website and register through there for those of you that have asked questions about the inner warrior summit it just completed yesterday but susan is offering a 24-hour encore free access to all of the interviews today and tomorrow Tuesday and Wednesday, you can go to my, again, the homepage, lastmasscenter.org, and register there. You can also just purchase the summit from her and listen at your leisure. Um, 
So I think that answers everybody's questions about the larger things that are going on right now. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. And please do something in this week that begins to more deeply embody your own practice.